Good morning. We live in the land of promises. We begin our first sermon in a new series on God's priceless promises. If you believe what you see on television, you are promised whiter teeth, fresher breath, closer shaves, faster, safer cars, great returns on your money, virus-free computers, that's what they say, smarter children, safer aging parents, let me push my button here, better vacation experiences, and In light of the upcoming election cycle that we are just now entering into, we are being promised greater and greater wealth, greater and greater welfare, greater income, debts forgiven, and the list goes on and on and on from all these politicians now numbering in the 20s, all that they're promising us, amen? Should we just vote them all into office and live a life of ease for the rest of our lives? Oh, you know that doesn't work that way. You know that every time they make a promise, someone has to carry it on their back. Amen? Think about that. Pardon? On their wallet. Well, it depends on where you carry your wallet now, doesn't it? But it's, it's amazing We live in a land of promises. We also live in a land of broken promises. Couples who pledge their love and faithfulness to God and to each other, broken. Many of us were promised things as children. Some of them very small. Some of them very large. For some, you were promised safety and security and adequate food. And you today carry the pain of those promises that were broken by your parents, by your family, and you still struggle with them. Amen? We do. There are small things, but there are large things. For some of you, employment contracts, broken. Relationships, broken. Finances, broken. And some of that spills over into our relationship with God. And there are some sitting in this auditorium this morning who believe, and they wouldn't often voice it, that God has broken His promise to them. God has disappointed you. He has not come through in the time when you expected him to show up like the knight in shining armor and say, take care of this. And in your mind, God was nowhere to be found. And so, 
You've put some insulation between you and God, haven't you? I'm I'm not going to entrust myself fully because he's let me down in the past. More than likely he'll let me down in the future. And so you, you put on your Christian mask, you say your prayers, but you struggle trusting him with your life. Because we live in a world of promises and even though I might not have the shiniest smile in the congregation, I still use that toothpaste. We still cling to those promises where we can. But these broken promises have eroded and jaded our trust in God. Even He has seemed to disappoint us. So this morning... I want to kick off this series and talk about biblical promises in general. Many of the things I'm going to say this morning, you already know. And so if you find yourself yawning, that's okay. But for some here this morning, they need the reminders of some of these truths Because their distance in relationship between them and God has distanced and moved away. And guess who has moved? It's not God. And God wishes, I think, today to restore that intimate trust relationship with Him. So if this is review for some of you, great. But I think for many it will trigger things. If you would turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 25, page 1302 there in the Pew Bible. As I studied, here is a truth that I never saw as clearly as I did this week. The truth is, listen to this statement, our entire belief system is based on the promises of God. Think about that. Our entire belief system is based on the promise of God. 1 John 2.25 says this, and this is the promise that God made to us, eternal life. Now, who here has now experienced life after death? Please raise your hand. I'm looking carefully. Don't be shy. Has, has experienced the promise of eternal life after death. No one. No one. And I can't talk to someone who has already gone to the grave. So do you understand that what we are living by faith is all based upon a promise? That's why Paul says if If the resurrection is not true, we are the most to be pitied because we have bought into a promise that is a lie if the resurrection were not true, but it is. Everything. See, we have only His Word, God's Word, of what He is going to do for us as a promise that we cling to, including eternal life. Now, in your notes, what is the definition of a biblical promise? 
A biblical promise is a declaration of God's intent. Here's what I plan on doing to graciously bestow a gift upon an individual or a group of people. Graciously bestow a gift. Do you understand that all of his promises, it's all of grace? What does God owe us? Nothing. Nothing. And grace gives us everything, including salvation itself. But it's a promise. It's a promise. Now, what is the implication of promises? That we're going to look in the weeks to come, we're going to look at specific promises and understand where they come from and put them in context and then how do we apply them? And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be like a wanna for this summer because I'm going to ask you to memorize one promise every week as a congregation. Hide it in your heart. But what's the implication of a promise? A promise implies a delay. Otherwise, a promise is not necessary. Uh, dad, 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 can we go to Adventureland this summer? Can we, can we, can we, can we, can we, can we, can we please? And, you know, what we learned to say to our kids was, we'll see, right? We'll see. But when we would finally commit and say, yeah, we're going to Adventureland. When, 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 when? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> no, and they would count down the days. A promise implies a delay. That's the rub. That's the struggle. Why? Because God's timing is often not our timing. Amen? We want it now. Or yesterday. Just pull it in the driveway. Put it in the freezer. Put it in my bank account. Our thinking is somewhat like our children's timing and parents' timing. Do you realize in Hebrews 11, near the end of the chapter, it says that these, some of these saints died never having received the promise. They went their entire lifetime. Does that mean there was no promise then? No. So, why does God choose to give promises to you and me? Why does he pepper his scriptures with promises? Why does he speak into our lives at times and say, hang on, this will take place, trust me? I think the number one reason that God chooses to give promises to you and to me is because God wants us to learn something about his character. He wants to use promises given to us to reveal more of himself to us. He wants us to see better his nature. He wants us to learn the deeper truths about his character that only waiting and trusting reveal. He wants us to learn by experience his personal care for us. 
Does God love you? Does God care for you? All the time? Is he good? All the time. Does it feel that way sometimes? It does not feel that way sometimes. We wonder what God's up to. And God says to us, hang on to my promise and trust me. Why does he choose to give us promises? To increase our trust of him. To give us hope. To develop our faith in him. Promises given to you and to me is for my good. It's to develop my character and my faith and my hope. But I find myself bailing so often. Point E, the validity of a promise is dependent on the character and the ability of the one who makes it. The validity of a promise is dependent on the character and ability of the one who makes it. I don't often carry my checkbook into the sanctuary. Usually I write out my giving checks before I walk in. But I saw Kathy sitting here today. And I'm going to write her out a check. It's not a big check. Remember you pay me? Very adequately, but I'm going to write her out a check for $30. That will cover lunch today. And I'm going to sign it. And, well, of course, you know how my illustrations work. Is that made out to you? Is that signed by me? Is it dated today? It's accurate. Whoa! That check is a promise from me to her that she can go to the bank and take it to a teller, and guess what they're going to do? If she endorses the back, they're going to hand you $30 in cash. Isn't that amazing? Now, do you think I'm worth $30? Oh, sure. Yeah, you're, 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 you're praying for Kathy, yeah. May it, may it be true. Make it so. <laughs> that's grace. John, that's grace. I'm going to write out another check. Barry Traver. I'm going to get the spelling right. We'll just write it out to Elder Barry. And I'm going to make this out for exactly $1 million. Well, Barry's an elder. No, you're not chopped liver, Kathy. That was grace. Okay, there you go. I'm going to the bank. Go right ahead. Doesn't open till noon. Now, is that check valid? Why not? I signed it. I, I figured it out. Why is it not valid? I don't what? I don't have the resources. I might have the character. I might be a character. 
but I don't have a million dollars sitting in a checking account here in the Quad Cities. Or anywhere. That's my wife. Thank you. Or anywhere. I love that, dear. Couldn't have planned that one if I tried. Yeah, if that was a valid check, it would be going to her, not you. You know that. The validity of a promise depends on the character, but also the ability of the one who makes it. And I can write out a check of reasonable amount and give it. Which Would you rather have the other check, Kathy? Okay, okay. I don't have the ability to float a million dollars. What's my point? We need to understand what is the character and the ability of our God. Because our God is writing out checks for us called promises that he wants us to take to the bank. And some of you look at these promises and say, I don't know, maybe God's playing with me. Or does he really have the resources and the ability necessary to pull this off? Because it's pretty big. So I want to, by way of reminder, look at a series of passages to look at the character and the ability of God. Let's look at his character, some of his attributes. 1 John 4, verses 7 through 10. Page 1304 there in the Pew Bible. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love.